Hi there. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Travel Exchange Podcast brought to you by Herman Global, a strategic tourism marketing firm providing inspirational thoughts that are worldwide and worth sharing. You can find more information about us on www.hermanglobal.com. Hello, this is Florian from Herman Global. Um, I'm the CEO and I know a lot of uh, you guys know me. And I wanted to kind of do a little bit of a podcasting session with our new newsletter, the um, Travel Exchange. Ultimately, we want to just talk about things for the tourism industry, what's relevant for international travelers. Um, and of course, we initiated this based on the current outbreak of Corona. And since we are just uh, sitting at home a lot and working and thinking and we have a lot of questions, I just thought I would maybe do some more of these um, video sessions with people where I think we can just um, learn from or just listen to, which I think would be very good just to understand what we should do in kind of making decisions for the industry since kind of what our, that our industry is currently on a complete hold. Um, so today it's uh, Sunday, March 29th. Here it's 10.30 a.m. We are in the United States in the Rocky Mountains, uh, just in a nearby Yellowstone. And I brought to this call a special guest. Um, and this guest, actually, I know him very well. He's a good friend of mine. He's, um, I studied with him together uh, tourism management in Italy. And then also later I was uh, studying with him in the United States as well. Uh, at the university. So that's Matthias Lorieri. Matthias, you are an Italian um, and I think you are currently um, in China. You have a lot of tourism expertise still, but uh, you're currently in Guangzhou. But tell me a little bit who you are, what are you doing in China, and then we'll talk a little bit about what's happening in China as well. But just maybe introduce yourself really quick. Okay, well, first of all, nice to see you again, even though it's virtually. And yes, uh, <laughs> It's a uh, it's a little bit uh, uh, late here. It's uh, half past uh, midnight, uh, thanks to the time uh, difference. And well, as Florian already said, I'm Italian. I was his classmate uh, back in our undergraduate years. I've spent the past ten years uh, in China, working in strategic marketing for some uh, European and Asian corporations, mainly in the consumer goods and in the durable consumer goods sectors. Uh, especially automotive. Uh, I did, however, have a very strong passion for tourism, which is why uh, I spent lots of time with Florian, who's really uh, passionate about it. And um, yeah, so I'm more than happy to answer any questions you have about the situation over here and what you think, um, you know, whatever you want to know, I'm happy to answer it. Perfect. So, yes, yeah, so the world is at a standstill. It's pretty crazy. I've never experienced anything like that before. I mean, I've seen 9-11 and uh, we have seen 2008, the financial crisis there, but nothing like that. That's something completely new for us. Um, I'm a tourism marketer and also a strategic person. Um, I'm trying to work with my clients to say what we should do today. What should we do? What is kind of the future of tourism? And I kind of always say a little bit uh, with Corona, is this kind of the end of over tourism? That's what I'm always questioning. You know, we talked at the ITV a lot about um, kind of, you know, the uh, Venice and uh, Barcelona and like 
even in China, like crowded areas. But before we get into this, Matthias, tell us a little bit about Guangzhou and China, where you are, what do you see? What do you see when you look outside? I know there's a lockdown that's kind of being lifted, but what's the situation over there? Okay, so let me explain to you. Uh, you, you, you made it sound almost apocalyptic. <laughs> it, it, looks like it, at the mo it looks like it at the moment. But, um, so let me tell you, in the past two and a half months, um, we have spent most of our time, I wouldn't say locked into the house because you would still go out, but you would rather stay within, you know, within your apartment blocks or, you know, around your house because you, you wouldn't want to go into any areas that are crowded. And by the way, there were not many crowded areas in the past two and a half months because the government encouraged everyone to stay um, at home and not have any uh, public gatherings. Um, most of the events that were supposed to happen didn't happen. A lot of important uh, conventions uh, were canceled in all kinds of industries, so there was a big uh, impact, obviously, on the local economy as well. Um, I, I would say that apart from the epicenter, which was in the center part of the country, um, in Wuhan and Hubei province, apart from that area, there was actually not much happening around China. There was another um, smaller outbreak in the eastern part, okay, so close to Shanghai, uh, but not in Shanghai. And that was about it. I mean, there was not much felt in other parts of China, you know, but I could imagine that the area where the epicenter was, yes, you could probably call it hell on earth because so many people will get infected, right, as, as is happening in Europe now. Um, so I could only tell you that it, it came to a standstill, but now things start to move again. Okay, for example, just this evening, I went, I went out with my family to a, to a shopping mall to have dinner, and that felt pretty much as it was two and a half months ago, okay, which is what we would be usually doing. We would go out, we would meet family and friends, people start to move, people start to work again. So I... You know, I would say it's not as apocalyptic as we think it will be, but it's it's going to be. I would say at least two to three months of of difficult times because if if people just ignore it, okay, if people just go out and they they will just say, okay, I don't care, I'm not afraid of this disease. It's nothing else but a flu. And let me tell you, it's not just a flu. Um, so if people ignore these kind of suggestions by, from the governments around the world to to stay at home it might make the situation worse. Why China is able now to go back to almost normal is because people kind of work together with the government and stayed at home and tried to do their best from home. Because otherwise you just make, you just other make the, the, the curve that is currently going up steeper and steeper, even more steeper, okay? Mm -hmm. Because you see the infections on a daily basis in the US, they're growing quite exponentially. So. I would say it, re it requires a lot of discipline from the citizens. This is nothing that the government can do by itself, right? So if the citizens around the world will listen to their governments, I suppose that in two and a half to three months, uh, people could start to get back to normal. You might have to wear masks, yeah, because people still today were wearing masks. I was wearing a mask when I went out. But apart from that, everything was back to normal, yeah? So I, I wouldn't say it's the end of the world, yeah. No, like I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that either, but um, okay, so that's that's good news. So, I mean, I'm a positive person and I look into South Korea and Very China, good. two countries that somehow, uh, and Singapore, these three countries, they somehow have it under control. I mean, the worst is over, they're opening up again, they have it controlled. What's their 
fear? Is there a fear of that is coming back? Um, what are they seeing there? Um, okay, so basically, if if you look at what's happening um, at airports or any kind of entry ports to the country over here, uh, there are controls on temperatures. They will actually do um, COVID-19 tests if you have any symptoms on the spot. And if you have it, they will put you directly to the hospital. Um, otherwise, you just go for two weeks um, into your house, into your apartment, wherever it is, and stay there for quarantine, and they will come check on you every day if you're okay, right? And they will take notes if there were any, um, you know, changes in your, you know, in your health status. So they take it really seriously because if you get a second wave, you can imagine what kind of impact it has on the economy, right? They don't want to see a second wave, which is why, for example, now they actually, as of 28th of March, which was like, what, uh, two days ago, they blocked all foreign foreigners to enter the country. So now only Chinese nationals come back uh, can come back to the country or diplomats, okay? So they do that because uh, in the past, 10 to 12 days, there were a lot of imported, you can say, like cases from abroad, whether that were Chinese citizens that live abroad or whether that, those were foreigners that were coming back to China to work, right? So uh, there's a huge fear of a second wave, right? And I, it's, it's understandable, right? But I do think they have it under control because they, I think they did a great job when it comes to um, using big data, when it comes to use mobile apps, mobile tracking, uh, very large scale testing, okay? Um, this is also what South Korea did, okay? So uh, from that perspective, I think as long as countries will keep doing that or following that kind of method, uh, they will be able to get this kind of situation under control. But you got to, of course, hope that there's a vaccine soon as well. Realistically speaking, it's not going to come by the end of the year. I think it's probably more realistic to say the vaccine will be available in the first quarter of 2021, right? But obviously, um, what we have to imagine is that once you have it under control and the, the, the curve starts to go down and people start get back to normal, then life, you know, if, 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 you, if you keep it well under control, even the vaccine is not there, you can go back to normal, which is what people are doing now, mm -hmm. right? Great. Um, I think, um, you know, that's, that's good that we kind of see kind of the path about how I'm going back to normal. And we'll talk a little bit about tourism later, but um, I just have a question, one more question in China, since we're looking in, into China and how they solve it. What's the new normal being outside, not being quarantined? Do people, so you said you, people wear masks. Are they going in the restaurants and eat? Are they going shopping? I mean, what are they doing? Exactly. So, exactly. So what I just said, uh, for example, this evening, we went to the shopping mall, right? So mm -hmm. we went to do our, you know, went to the supermarket, we went to have dinner with our, with our relatives and so on. Actually felt like uh, three months before, before the, the epidemic started, perfectly normal. The only difference is that, yeah, you will see um, staff at shopping malls, at parking lots, at uh, wherever you enter, measuring your temperature with those uh, gadgets that look like guns. They point them towards your head on, on your hand to measure your temperature, right? To, to see if anyone has any symptoms, right? And if they have, then probably you, first of all, you will not be allowed into the venue that you want to get into. Mm -hmm. And they probably tell you that you should go to the hospital to have a check just, just to be safe. Um, other than that, I would say, uh, another, oh yeah, another good tool that they have uh, been implementing is, um, 
an app that basically uh, so you have a QR code every every person here whether foreigner or Chinese citizen has a has an app that basically tracks your whole history of the past two to three months so wh wherever you go you just show them your QR code and uh, it will be scanned and they will they will give you different levels right so if you have level code green then you are fine that means you're perfectly fine to go anywhere if it starts to get yellow or red then it means uh, you might have an issue why because for example if you're part of the uh, I don't know like red red level that means probably you you have been abroad you just came back from abroad so you could be a risk case <laughs> like if, if, if you haven't been examined or for whatever reason they they will not probably allow you to enter a restaurant because they are afraid you might infect people right so this is a very good way of maintaining uh, control and I would say tracking over a large-scale population as I said big data apps right testing measuring temperatures and that you see it everywhere whether it's in the metro in shopping malls in restaurants no matter where okay even in your apartment block once you enter with your car the security is gonna check your temperature right so mm -hmm. this is how it goes okay yeah so you think um, wearing masks technology social distancing uh, that's yeah. kind of the new normal like once we get out of the crisis that's what we have to deal for a while right uh, well, yes, and actually, there was a very interesting article. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I've only read the, the summary, but it's from the MIT Technology Review in the US, and they were talking about I think the new normal would be this uh, shut-in economy, right? Uh, I suggest you to read it, uh, MIT Technology Review. Okay, um, mm -hmm. go to find it. It's about the shut-in economy, and I, I think the whole article will be about mostly about this kind of new normal of people being more at home than at the office or outside so an economy in which companies will need to get used to have people working more remotely from home mm -hmm. right um, families that need to get more used to have mommy and daddy maybe at home with the kids sometimes right mm -hmm. um, and, and and this kind of situation right so that could be the new normal I think for a certain time period probably I, I, mm -hmm. I wouldn't think it, it's gonna be the new normal forever because that is going to be obviously a very drastic change for for people's lives. So I think it's going to be something in the short term for mm -hmm. sure, especially because people are you know still kind of fear maybe a comeback of, of, of this virus until the vaccine is out. But uh, based on what I've seen tonight and also last week, it's not the first time that I went out tonight. <laughs> okay, so I went out last week as well. Um, I mean, there is not much difference to before. People go to the park. They mm -hmm. go playing with their children. They go to the shopping malls, right? Okay. Um, and, and this is a situation in, in, in my city and, for example, in Shanghai as well. I have some friends who live in Shanghai. Um, but it's it's obviously not the situation in Wuhan or in Hubei, right, where mm -hmm. the epicenter is. Over there, it's still more being more controlled. They are mm -hmm. opening up, but gradually, right? People are getting used slowly to their previous life, but it's still, you know, much more under control than in other cities, okay? So okay. yeah, that, that, that's a different story, yeah. Okay, one more question, or a few more questions, but one more question about China specifically. Um, everyone, yes. China, the Chinese market, travel market, has been a tremendous important market for the world for economic growth, for inbound travel and for Chinese outbound, but uh, inbound travel for the United States and for Europe. What do you mm -hmm. think, when do you think the Chinese will start traveling again to Europe and to the US. I mean, of course, right now they wouldn't. I mean, there's kind of an epidemic, but 
what's your forecast? I mean, do they, is it picking up slowly? Is it picking up pretty fast? Do we see anything this year or next year? What's your thought? I mean, as I said, so seeing, seeing the way things go now in China, I would say that, I mean, Chinese people are, are people that, that love to go and, and, and find out about other places, about other cultures. They love traveling, right? I mean, you know that better than me because you look at their data probably more often than me. Um, I'm just telling you from a cultural perspective, uh, I, I would say they, they couldn't wait, right, probably to go out again. But as you said, uh, that would obviously depend on, on how quickly uh, Europe and, and North America, uh, meaning also Canada, obviously would be able to contain and, 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 and manage this epidemic, right? Because mm -hmm. Uh, looking at the data now, for example, in Europe, uh, I've seen just Italy, they actually, uh, in Lombardy, they have already for a few days in a row having lower absolute figures than the previous days, which is a very good sign. Um, it's flattening the curve. And I think it's also, you know, uh, spe speaking specifically about Italy, which is one of the major destinations in, in, in Europe for Chinese, it's, it's a good sign because they... They were really able to contain it, uh, large-scale testing. They are also using APPs like here in China apps. They're using big data. They're using mobile tracking, people staying at home. Um, so I hope uh, this this is kind of the, the way that, that that is going to work for many countries, not only for Italy, because Italy is already two to three weeks ahead of other countries, right? So now it's going to start probably in Germany, in France, in the UK, and the US already is over 100K cases right so i think it, it really will depend on how long it will take to contain it so as i said i would expect for example i mean i haven't been to the us for a long time already but uh, considering for example the manpower that the us has the expertise and technology they have and then i also saw like trump called xi jinping for for some common discussion on this issue i i think by exchanging experiences that they had here in terms of containment and, and by applying the expertise that the U.S. themselves have in, in, in tech, and, you know, they, they should be able, I think, to contain it within two and a half or three months, right? Because this is the time period they took over here, right? And I, I, would, expect, I would expect the U.S. to be able to do that in a more or less similar time period, right? Which is why I said mm -hmm. I don't expect it to go on forever, right? Uh, obviously, people will need to be careful, right? Uh, after this is going to be over, people will have a much more, uh, I would say, obvious and, and much more pronounced awareness of uh, washing hands and, and, and social distancing, right? But that shouldn't, that shouldn't in any way block people from traveling, right? So mm -hmm. Chinese will be the first, I think, to go out and travel if they see that, you know, the U.S. is back to normal again, Europe is back to normal again, because this is where they usually travel. You look at their major destinations in Europe, it's mainly Italy and France, uh, Switzerland, and then in, in, in North America, it's obviously the US. So uh, these are some of their most favorite destinations. So it's really up to, you know, to Europe and the US now, you know, not, not really to the Chinese. I think the Chinese are going to travel as, as soon as they see that, that it's ready to go okay. in inverted commas. Yeah. Good. So what can the governments in Italy, Germany, UK, United States, Canada, wherever it is, Australia, what can they learn from China and South Korea to manage this? Uh, there's always a discussion, do we have to have a complete lockdown? Okay, so for, for example, yeah. I mean, um, oh, okay, so uh, I think it, it always depends on, 
you know what what the country is aiming at uh, you know if if they are if they are willing to lock down the country to to ensure that people are safe and to avoid exponential growth or even more of cases then obviously some kind of home quarantine is suggested right uh, when you ask me about learning i mean the benchmark i would say the benchmark is south korea not even china the benchmark is south korea why because south korea um they stopped at around nine thousand cases they keep decreasing every day they didn't have a lot of death cases and they used a lot of uh, technology such as big data mobile tracking and apps and they did large-scale testing now uh, if I compare that, because I, I do I do actually follow the situation in Italy very carefully, and I know quite a lot about it. Now, if you look at Italy, actually, they didn't do much different. Mm-hmm. Italy, if, if you look at the testing data that is available on worldometers.com, uh, Italy is the country with the third highest number of tests. Okay, As of 9th of March, they did more testing than all of Europe combined. Okay, They were at 60 plus K tests. Okay. And Europe altogether, whether it's UK, Germany, France, and whatever, they had not even that much altogether, right? So that was very preventive, okay? That means the more you test, the more you find. If you don't find, you're wasting valuable time because every second that passes, every day that passes, that person that you haven't tested and that is infected and doesn't know it because there are, there are cases that for four weeks don't show any symptoms, they will go on and infect others. It's a chain reaction, right? Mm-hmm. So... Yes, Italy, for example, has a lot of uh, cases, but don't forget, Italy is ahead two to three weeks of most of, compared to most of the other countries. So the cases that now you have in Italy, okay, you're going to have in most of the other European countries. And if you compare the mortality rate, um, for example, Holland, which is like almost nine times less cases, they're already at six and a half percent mortality rate because they didn't do much testing and that will catch up to them in two to three weeks okay so Italy is actually if, if you look at for example what they have been doing it, it, it's not much different from what South Korea has been doing they did do a lot of preventive testing they did use big data they used mobile tracking and you know uh, they found the people which is why the numbers are higher right but wait we have, two and three weeks but we have 10,000 deaths in Italy Right yes, now. let me explain. Okay, very yeah. good. It's good that you asked me that question. Okay, there are there are a lot of uh, there's a lot of confusion when you talk about the data, right? So, the the death in Italy they are they are depending on three metrics. In Italy, they count asymptomatic, symptomatic, and they do post mortem tests. That means, if somebody dies, okay, if somebody dies of cancer, heart attack, um, whatever it is, right, they will do a test on that person. If that person tests positive it will be included in the COVID death count for example in germany for example in germany there was an article yesterday in german um on web.de in which they explained actually why there is such a difference in germany for example they are not counting asymptomatic and they are not counting any post-mortem tests that means if in germany someone dies of uh, cancer okay let's say in one day you have 500 people that die Mm-hmm. And you do a test on all of them. And 250 of them are positive. What what they do in Germany is, okay, they will say, I will only count the ones that died of respiratory problems. Now, if you have only two that died of respiratory problems, 
you will only count those two, even though that the other ones mm. potentially were COVID positive, but they were yeah. not counted. So every country has very different ways to count. And this is something that probably I think if you want to make the data comparable, then you need to ask the WHO to say, okay, guys, don't, don't do your own stuff. Please follow these uh, guidelines to count. And China was the same. China didn't count asymptomatic cases, okay? Which is why you can imagine that the death count in China is not 3,000 something, but much different. Mm -hmm. and, and that's something that everyone knows. They didn't make it a secret. They just announced it to the WHO and said, okay, we are not counting asymptomatic cases. So, I, but the problem is that most people, common people, they don't follow it very well. They will just, they will just look at the death data and, and, and take it out of the total numbers. And then they say, okay, the death state um, is like 10% or the death rate is 7%, but they don't know how the data is put together. Right, mm -hmm. The numbers could look very different if, for example, Germany counts in the same way as Italy. And then mm -hmm. another difference is the demographics. In Germany, the average, uh, the average infected person's age is 40, uh, 43 or 45, I forgot now. In Italy, it's 63. Now, as we know, the, the, the people that suffer the most from this disease are elderly. Now, if you look mm -hmm. at the people that died in Italy, the average age is 81. Okay, and we had only two people that were in inverted commas. They were young. They were 39. They died, but they had pre-existing pathologies, namely cancer mm -hmm. and diabetes. So if, if you look at the detail, you will actually understand why there's a certain number in Italy and why there are certain numbers in other countries. But you need to look at the details. Then you will understand why there are deaths. Yeah. Because if you yeah. look, right, a lot of people, they tend to confuse it with, you know, they will say, okay, the healthcare system is not good. No, mm -hmm. please look at the HAQ index. The HAQ index is a commonly accepted indicator globally. Yeah. And Italy is not uh, yeah, a bad system. Right? Yeah. So ultimately, we have to take a greater, take it with a greater salt, all the, the cases being counted. Yes, yes, okay. yes. Don't, don't just take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree on this. So I want to go back to tourism uh, since kind of good. our audience, this is the travel exchange. Um, yeah. We work with a lot of small tourism communities. For them, uh, they tourism is everything. Like I live in a, I live in Wyoming, sure. um, near Yellowstone. Tourism is the life vein uh, for that. So they look at domestic travel, like coming from Colorado, you know, nearby, are coming mm -hmm. up here and stuff like this. But then also they look at international travel. Uh, I'm kind of doing strategic planning with them right now. But what would you recommend? What they should prepare? for 2021 for domestic travel, international travel? What, what's, what would be different on that? Ooh, that's something you asked me. I should ask you that. Yeah, and I can give okay, some so feedback. Like, yeah, go ahead. I mean, so what I think, but, but so you, go ahead. Go ahead, Matthias. Okay, sorry. So you mean like small destinations, what they should do to yeah. attract and okay, yeah. that is obviously a yeah, difficult question for me. Uh, but I would say, I mean, if, if it's about if it's about Chinese, I think one point I already mentioned. So first of all, you, you have to make sure that the government does a good job in containing the virus, because once the country starts to go back to normal, then people will come, right? Um, but what you need to be aware of is that, for example, and I wouldn't say only Chinese, but Asians in general, they are they take it really seriously with these masks and, and disinfectants and stuff, and they, they become they become really serious about it. So wherever you can and whenever you can, you should... Uh, because, you know, the, the problem with tourism is that wherever you go, you cannot control what people do 
in a specific destination. So uh, if people getting verbally attacked because they're wearing masks, which is what happened in Europe, you know, with mm-hmm. some Asian tourists, and it might happen also in the U.S. Now, you know, you, you should start getting used to seeing Asian people traveling to somewhere and wearing masks and, and spraying around uh, their little alcohol bottles to disinfect everything, okay, mm-hmm. or even provide that, right? So these are these are kind of probably like little uh, um, service, uh, you know, advices that I would give to any kind of destination, hotel or, or, or whatever, tourism center, information center, whatever it is, you know, show that you care about this and you take it seriously because they will feel, okay, these people are taking it seriously. That means, okay, I, I, I feel safe here, right? This is what, what they want to see because why a lot of uh, people now feel also scared to travel is they continue to watch a lot of TV. And I'm not saying only TV from here, but news from broad, right? Because with a VPN, you can watch whatever you like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, they, and, and what they see is people walking around with masks people ignoring this people saying in europe and in the united states and canada ah come on this is just the flu why should i be afraid of it so they will not in any way whatsoever want to go to a place where people take this kind of virus okay in such a you know relaxed way so this is something i think that that uh, from a psychological perspective you need to get ready to and say okay Show people that you care about it, that you take it serious. Show that you are wearing a mask. Show, you know, I, I know it sounds weird because in Europe and, and the United States, people are not used to wearing masks. But as a matter of fact, it's a good way, first of all, to to protect yourself and protect others. Because first of all, you don't know if you have the virus. You could walk around four weeks completely healthy, going to play basketball and football, and uh, going to party and drink at a bar, but then. Uh, you have the virus, you don't know it, and you infect other people, which is why they take this mask thing so serious over here. And not only over here, whether you go to Japan or Singapore or South Korea or Hong Kong or wherever it is, it, it, is, it is like that, okay? So the mask... So that, so, that's, yeah, I, I wanted to provide some comments on it. So I totally agree that we have to really... Number one reason why people travel is it's a secure destination. If it's not secure, no one is going yes. to come. That's the number one thing. Exactly. So exactly. what we, I understand we can show this by having hand sanitizers and giving masks away at the hotels um, to kind of show that we are doing social distancing, the restaurants having the tables further away spread. I mean, these are all things that can be implemented. But uh, I'm just curious about wearing masks. Uh, it's something that I'm uh, not keen on it because first we have a shortage <laughs> right now. We have a world shortage. The second is... Um, I cannot imagine sitting in a stadium, in a football stadium in America with 50,000 people and everyone is wearing a mask. I, I, I can't even imagine this. But is exactly. this kind of what we are expecting? Or, I mean, tell me. Um, okay, so I tell you, right? Just now I mentioned they, they, they watch our media outlets as well. They do watch CNN. They, they, they do watch European um, TV channels. And what they see is that even during the outbreak, when it started already in Europe, um, they saw people going to the football stadium and there was a packed football stadium in Dortmund. It was a Dortmund-Freiburg match, right? On, what was it, 2nd of, what was it, 2nd of March or something. And they were just baffled. They said, they know there's this virus already in Europe. And by the way, the first case was in Germany, right? So they say, this, the virus is already there. And people go to the stadium, 80,000 people, and they're not wearing masks. 
and and we all know from from virologists that one of the ways to spread it sure social distancing is important but if for whatever reason you're in a stadium you can't tell me that you have enough social distance to avoid getting a virus right because you have people above you you have people behind you you have people beside you right and they're not sitting one and a half to two meters away from you so um, the chance to avoid a virus <laughs> without a mask is going to be very low mm -hmm. so as long as they see this they will not they will not feel safe and i tell you in the past seven days why did we have um such a you know i, I would say it's not a high number but why did we have uh, quite a quite a few imported cases in, in inverted commas because a lot of chinese or overseas chinese they traveled back to here because they felt not safe overseas because they said <laughs> The, the way the governments they are handling it didn't make them feel safe because the government said ah it's just the flu like in the uk they even didn't want to do anything because they said they're going to have herd, herd immunity good luck with that because this is a new disease okay <laughs> it's not a it's not something you have a vaccine against okay uh, so they didn't feel safe and it, it goes all back to this basic concept i think when you talk about traveling it's all about this basic concept first and then you can start to talk about anything strategic and, you know, and revisiting your product or coming up with innovative products. But unless people will not have that, you know, psychological aspect covered, you, you, you can't talk about other things, I think, because they're not going to travel. Okay. They're not going to travel. If, yeah. Okay. So I think um, you're right that uh, these precautions are really important, especially wearing masks and um, the social distancing past this uh, COVID crisis um, I wanted to ask one more thing is about um, domestic travel here I think in the US uh, and tell me if I'm if you agree or disagree so my forecast is domestic travel will somehow come back in the summer with some capacity not big but people are being locked in in the house like they're dying to go somewhere at least where it's safe going to a lake or going hiking going in the national parks maybe if it's not crowded whatever it is this summer um international i think uh it's gonna be not many people coming to the united states inbound or in, into europe inbound because i just believe that these borders will be kind of highly scru highly scrutinized to see if they're all about the fear that someone else brings that virus back in again do you agree on this or am i too dramatic on this i mean wh what do you think on international travel when we see uh, kind of normality again i wouldn't say in two to three months we see normality i mean what's your forecast uh, again i can't i don't have the crystal ball i can't look into the future sure. but based ba based on the experience here i would expect that if they follow more or less the same trend and are able to kind of contain it within okay. two and a half to three months you're gonna have people i, I do agree with you that you're for sure gonna have people travel domestically 100 percent because uh first of all americans they are people that don't like to lock themselves into the house no one likes to lock themselves into the house yeah. okay and i think with all the natural beauty that you have there and you know whether it's mountains, lakes, and whatsoever, national parks, uh, people are definitely going to travel domestically, right? Um, and I think one advantage actually the U.S. has compared to Europe is population density. Because um, in Europe, you have higher population density. In the U.S., you don't have that much, right? So, for example, the basic concept of social distancing, okay, forget even the thing about the mask then for a second. 
even if you don't want to wear masks, given the size of the country and, 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 and the space that you have there, you know, social distancing is not going to be a problem, right? So people have common sense and they know that they probably for a certain time period need to get used to this new normal. They're going to get out of the house. They're going to get to the lake. They're probably not going to sit um, five meters away as they used to to start chatting with some people they haven't met. That's probably not going to happen, mm-hmm. but they will go travel. That's what I imagine. I mean, I, I do think that I know Americans that mm-hmm. well that they definitely are not people that like to hide and stay in a house, right? That, so I definitely agree with you on that part. Uh, for international travel, yeah, that's very difficult to say because it depends as on, on what we already said before, right? It depends yeah. on uh, how safe people will feel in Europe, you know. Um, did Europe contain it by then? Would it have contained the virus by then? Mm-hmm. I hope so, right? As a European, I really hope so, because now I, I mean, I look at the data every day. Um, uh, I even have my own Excel sheet to look at trends and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't see, I, I don't see the next two, three weeks positive for Holland, France, Spain, and even Germany is actually growing at a faster rate than eight days ago, Italy. And that, that worries me as well, because uh, Germany was uh, actually the same it had literally the same numbers. It looked kind of spooky, almost. It had almost the identical numbers of Italy. And then, at one point, it started, uh, because they are eight days behind us, right? Mm-hmm. They are eight days behind with outbreak. And they started to have a much steeper curve now. And and that kind of worries me in the sense that um, I, I don't think, I'm not for the mortality rate, I don't think that's going to happen because you don't have it concentrated in one specific area. You have it more spread mm-hmm. out, so you should be able to control it. But... The total cases, yes, I think they might be higher than in Italy, and so I kind of worry that Europe, if they're not become more stringent, really, you know, uh, like Sweden, in Sweden they're not doing anything, in Holland they haven't done much, and which is why they they are growing also quite a bit for a small country. So if if they're not becoming more stringent and people start to say, okay, um, you know what, I prefer to take a hit now, right, for the short term, rather than taking a hit the whole year. So I stay at home. I, I work from home remotely and I make sure that the curve for my own country, right, becomes mm-hmm. flattened, right? Okay. So, uh, yeah, so we're kind of at the end of our session, but I, I have two more questions. The one is your forecast for the United States, are we doing the right thing? I look at New York City and they just said, no, let's not quarantine people, let them not travel. So it's highly, it's recommended not to travel, give them a freedom. I think from a psychological point of view, it's maybe better for people not knowing that they're locked in as it is in Italy. But w- what's your stake? Is that a good decision? What do you think is going to happen there? <laughs> I mean, I'm not the president of the United States, but uh, as I said, I, I, I like patterns, right? I mean, the virus has not developed in any different way. It, it has always the same way of developing in every country. You can always see this curve rising and going down, right? Mm-hmm. And flattening before it goes down. Now, what I see in the U.S., uh, it had a much steeper curve than any other country, and that worries me because it's growing much more exponentially than any other country. So uh, the first thing you need to do is what South Korea, what China, and also what Italy did. Do a lot of testing. Do as much testing as you did. In fact, you saw that the United States bought 500,000 diagnostic tools from Italy just three days ago. They flew them into Tennessee, right? So. Uh, use as much as you have of those because the faster you find people the better you can control them and then I guess You know the United States has big expertise as well in big data and, and using analytics 
right? So use them. Make sure that you track every single network of every single infected person, right? The faster you do that, the better. So I guess that's what they are doing. I guess that's what they're doing. The quarantine, well, I, I, I don't know really what they are doing in New York. I'm, I'm not following that specifically what is happening there. I just know that Trump was uh, considering to lock it down, but then he said, I don't know, he was undecided. Correct he me said like uh, he will not do that. So right okay, now he will not do that. A travel yeah. ban, like not, it's not recommended. No unnecessary travel. That's what's banned. good. Okay, so I, I, as I said, I do believe in the common sense of people. Uh, no, no matter where you are, uh, uh, whatever citizen you are, like in which country, you do have some kind of citizenship, right? That is also some kind of leadership. If you know your country asks you to not travel, right? Then I do believe most New Yorkers and most Americans around the country will not go to travel. Mm -hmm. And looking at the photos that I've seen, some live, some live feed that you see of New York City or, or, or other cities in the United States, they are deserted. They are completely deserted. So I do believe that Americans will listen to that and, and will home quarantine. In the end, it's actually not that bad. You, you stay at home, you can work from home. I mean, for most people that work in a service or in consulting or whatever industries, they can work from home. You just need a laptop in your brain, right? And of course, for people that work in manufacturing and other things, it's going to be problematic. There's, there's definitely going to be a lot of um, unemployment issues. Yeah, disruptions, uh, yeah. Exactly. Disruptions. Uh, that, that, that is part of the game, unfortunately. But as I said, it would make much more sense to take a short-term hit than a long-term Mm -hmm. hit, right? Okay. So if you stay at home, then I, I do think they're doing the right thing. But it takes as well every citizens, every citizen to, you know, to listen to what the government asked them to do and to contribute to that. It's a common cause, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's really good thoughts. I wanted to ask you for a final thought for our listeners of this podcast. Um, so our listeners yeah. are tourism destinations, small businesses, mm -hmm. attractions, rafting companies, um, anyone who's mm -hmm. serving visitors in their community um, worldwide. So uh, if I say, uh, say one sentence to them, start with take a deep breath, and then what would you say to them? <laughs> Interesting, I would say, I mean, uh, every, every business, every business needs a contingency plan, I think, right? So I think smart entrepreneurs, and there are many smart entrepreneurs in the US, I think, uh, I suppose they had their contingency plan for any kind of thing that could be going wrong. This time, unfortunately, it went very wrong, but I, I would say you always need to also look at the light that you will have at the end of the tunnel, because every tunnel has a light at the end, I would say. So, you know, hold tight, right? Buckle up. Yeah? It's going to be a tough ride, but I do think that after three months, with all the common efforts, and as I said, it's a common cause, for all Americans and for all people around the world, everyone will contribute their little bit and that it's going to be over, right? It's going to be over. It's going to take a lot of effort. It's going to be a lot of sacrifice. Uh, people will, sorry, are dying as well. Uh, that's unfortunately also part of this uh, unfortunate situation. But I, I would tell them to, yeah, buckle up, sit tight, uh, be strong. And, you know, I think after that, everything will get back to normal. It might even be much more positive than than it was before you never know right as i said there are people there are people here in asia especially in china that can't wait to get out of their houses right they can't wait to get out and, and travel again they are like uh probably one of the you know i would say 
one of the populations that is most interested to go around the globe and find out what, what the US, what Europe, what, what Africa, what, what every country around the world is about. And so just try to get over this, this difficult time, right? Uh, I suppose for some it's going to be very difficult, but you have to keep your hope high, right? That's part of being an entrepreneur, right? To be able to sleep it off. I know it sounds easy, but you know, uh, you you have you have to have this kind of strength, right? Like you have as well at this moment, right? Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Matthias. I think you gave us really valuable thoughts. What I like really with you is um, you have a world view, which is amazing. And um, also, you live in China and you see kind of the, the after thing. So like, things are going back to normal. And I think... Um, yes, I, I do think they could. Yeah, so we want to encourage everyone just to, you know, take a deep breath, go through this the next few weeks and months, hopefully only two to three months. And then uh, it will get back to normal. There will be a new normal, which we still will see how that new normal looks like. But um, I also think once this is over that that tourism destinations and attractions and businesses can take advantage of something what they what we learn all through this crisis together and i guess this will be not our last crisis there'll be more crisis coming down in the future so that's um, part of life <laughs> exactly but thanks so much matthias i really appreciate that You're you welcome. did this interview at like after midnight in guangzhou so <laughs> i'm impressed right. the way how you kind no, of no, no. just can put all no. these thoughts and minds together and, and give us a really good interview. Thank you so much, Matthias. We wish you a no good worries. night. My pleasure. And um, we have this recorded. You so too. maybe in a few months, we look back and watch this video and see if you were all right. But um, I really, um, As I said, yes, I really <laughs> I appreciate it. Absolutely. But your feedback was super valuable for our audience. And thanks so much. And we will continue with the future and next podcast sessions as well. We'll pick some topics and keep our audience uh, informed on that as well thank you so much and have a good night cool you too thank you thanks for listening to this episode if you like this podcast you can subscribe to the travel exchange and you will hear from us regularly you can find it online on itunes spotify and various other outlets if you have any podcast topic ideas you can use the contact form on our website www hermanglobal.com.